episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and we're here every Thursday at One Mountain, coming to you from snowy Denver, Colorado, on KLZ 560 AM and streaming online around the world at drpegradio.com. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And Living Well with Dr. Peg shares information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. And we're brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, the leader in school safety and security. And school safety requires a comprehensive approach comprised of best practice-based solutions around mental health, physical security, hardware and technology, and SSI Guardian is the only organization in America that addresses all of the critical components required for a 21st century safe school. Learn more by visiting SSIGuardian.com. And speaking of school safety, there have been two reports released very recently, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School Commission Report and the final report of the Federal Commission on School Safety. And the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School Commission report found some glaring lapses and errors and missteps in the response to the tragic Parkland, Florida school shooting about a year ago, this uh, coming up next month. And the Federal Commission on School Safety report provided some important observations and recommendations about school safety. And to help us put these two reports in perspective, my guest today is school safety and security expert and president of SSI Guardian, Michael Yorio. And Michael, thanks so much for being here. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Dr. Pei, good afternoon. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Michael. And uh, you're coming uh, based out there in Florida. And we saw just in the news, I woke up to the news this morning, that there has been yet another mass shooting, a, um, a shooting at a bank that killed, I believe, five people out there in Florida, not too far from where you are, I imagine. Yeah, a little further north in Sebring. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of it. I've been in airplanes the past couple of days, but nonetheless, uh, here we go again with another mass shooting. Mm. Uh, as I always say, let us wait until the investigation uh, unfolds and um, see if there were, in fact, uh, significant warnings, steps that may have been uh, able to have been taken to have prevented another tragic event. But mm-hmm. let us see how the investi- investigation plays out. Uh, it's important that we don't jump to any sort of conclusion or, or let emotions uh, get carried away. Absolutely. And and just makes the need for the types of training and products and solutions that uh, your company, SSI Guardian, provides just makes it all the more relevant and critical um, for what you're doing out there. Safety impacts all of us, regardless of uh, what industry you may work in, uh, what school you may attend, uh, or if you're at a uh, just a leisure trip or a public outing. Uh, we, we all need to be aware. We need to be situationally aware and understand that these terrible, terrible events, unfortunately, are reality. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and we'll be talking about um, at least one of these events in detail because the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School Commission report was released uh, earlier this month, and um, we want to uh, talk about that. Uh, some of those conclusions you said with this most recent bank shooting in Florida, we don't want to jump to conclusions. We want to wait for the investigation. Well, here we are almost a year later, and a commission was formed uh, to investigate what happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas um, High School. 
And so um, before we get into the highlights from the report, and I want to know your thoughts on that report, what has been the response? Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming what has been the, sorry about that, what has been the response to the report, especially there in Florida? So the response has, I would say, has been mixed. Um, they, they pointed out some glaring uh, gaps in security and areas that need to be approved upon and uh, things that were not done correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part, uh, everybody hasn't embraced and folks were intrigued and uh, many were surprised to hear the severity of some of these Uh, glaring errors Mm. Uh, as it pertains to the recommendations uh, that's the portion that has been largely mixed uh, depending on for example if you're in favor of arming teachers or if you're not obviously you're going to have a mixed audience there yeah uh, from a reception standpoint Um, my my concern with all of these reports and I I commend everybody on the commission uh, for taking the time and and due diligence and many parents were on the commission that had to be a very very tough situation for these folks um, but when we talk about best practices, how are you determining a best practice? Yes, and, and, and Michael, you. let's get more into detail on that after we come back from our break. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest is national safety and security expert Michael Yorio. There's so much more to talk about with this uh, commission report, as well as the final report of the Federal Commission on School Safety. More with Michael Yorio when we return. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies, but safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next-generation learning best practices with proven safety safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. Give every child a 21st Century Safe School by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. What if a psychologist with years of clinical teaching experience wrote a book revealing secrets that therapists know but usually don't share? And what if that book provided strategies for experiencing change and transformation? That's exactly what you get with Dr. Pegg's book, Do Something Different for a Change, an insider's guide to what your therapist knows but may not tell you. Celebrating 10 years in print, this self-help classic shares insights and strategies to help you overcome the three common barriers to change, heal your emotional pain and emptiness, and strengthen your connection to your true self and others. In the easy-to-understand, down-to-earth style she's known for, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark clearly communicates fundamental principles related to change and reveals secrets your therapist knows but may not tell you. Read Do Something Different for a Change today and have a better tomorrow. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. 
All right, welcome back. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg, information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. And we're talking about the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Commission report that came out earlier this month, and it found numerous egregious failures and lapses around the response to the Parkland, Florida school shooting, uh, and uh, just numerous red flags that were missed by the school, by local state authorities, and even the FBI. Many people did report their concerns about the assailant prior to the, ret- the attack. And our children deserve the safest learning environments possible. And so here to discuss his thoughts about the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School Commission and share best practices about school safety, my guest is Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian. Michael, as always, thanks so much for being here to lend your expertise and perspective. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Well, let's talk about some of these findings. You were saying that, um, you know, there were parents on the commission, um, there were experts, law enforcement folks, and some um, results that or, or conclusions that um, have met with a, have been met with a mixed response. Uh, so let's kind of go through point by point some of the categories of the findings. Uh, first and foremost, um, the school's response and the law enforcement response once the assailant actually arrived at the school that fateful day. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in both cases, the response from the school and the response from law enforcement, uh, which was largely the Broward County Sheriff's Office, uh, the responses were unacceptable. Um, they did not follow protocol. They did not follow best practice. Um, so I would give them an F. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's where I, I agree with the commission's findings on that. Uh, I think everyone will. Um, you asked me about the response. Now, I don't know if this played into this, um, but it, this happened post the release of the report that the Florida governor did, in fact, uh, suspend Broward County Sheriff. So I don't know and I don't want to speculate that this report had anything to do with that. Um, but that was a recent development that happened in Sunshine State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, he was praised initially in the aftermath, and he was the face of the public um response and kind of communication to the public, I should say, as a representative of law enforcement. Um, And so we just never know how these things are going to play out. We might think we know what happened, but really, as you started out at the beginning of the show, until the um, uh, investigation is complete, we really don't know all of the details. That's right. We should never allow emotion to enter um, our judgment, our reactions, or positions on events of this magnitude. Uh, there's, they're always very complex, and uh, that, that's a great example. Uh, the sheriff uh, was applauded by many in Florida uh, when, in fact, uh, once they conducted the investigation, they found that his department was, um, it was a dereliction of duty at best. Um, they weren't prepared. They didn't train. This came from a number of people within the department. So it, that's no longer conjecture when an investigation of this length um, comes to a conclusion. Um, they... They didn't do the right thing. They weren't prepared. And if you're not prepared, you obviously cannot respond in the appropriate fashion. We talk about this a lot, the importance and criticality of prevention mindset and preparation. If you don't do these things early on, when something bad happens, you're not going to react or respond in the way that you should. Mm-hmm. And so what, what was the um, status of their prevention and um, policies and procedures that were in place? Had they been doing active shooter drills? Did they even have a good response um, a plan, even if it wasn't executed the way we would have hoped? 
You know, there was a plan. Uh, I'm going from the report. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking to this firsthand, but per the report and what I've read, uh, there was a plan, but almost every um, school district and every corporation in America will tell you they have a plan. Uh, that's fine and dandy, but if people have not practiced the plan, uh, if they don't understand the plan, in this case, uh, those two things did not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as training, uh, there was said to be training, uh, but at a very, very basic level. And as we saw, no one was prepared. You had students um, taking pictures, mm. taking video, not knowing what to do, teachers not knowing what to do. Um, so as we talk about all the time, the question is is not do you have a plan, do you have locks, do you have training. It's about having the right measures and best practices in place. Um, otherwise, we're just checking the box and that uh, – that never ends well. Mm-hmm. Well, and you talked about having um, best practices in place. Can you give us um, an overview of just what some of the main areas are that we should be thinking about best practices? You mentioned locks. Um, you mentioned training. What makes locks or training um, based on a best practice or based on the evidence that's available? Sure. So it really all starts with training. That's at the cornerstone. Mm -hmm. Uh, School security is comprehensive. It involves many different parts, uh, but it really starts with the training. Uh, Best practices that need to be adhered to on a training program is the curriculum itself. Is it vetted and verified? Does it follow both mental health best practices and security best practices? Does it follow curriculum mapping? Does it follow professional instructional methodology? Uh, or is it a bunch of stuff that's just thrown up on a board and uh, it doesn't really jive or, or sync to uh, point to point? Um, the credentials of the instructors, are these true professionals with a deep background, functional background, and also teaching or training background? This is important. Uh, somebody may have the uh, head knowledge, but if they can't effectively disseminate that information and teach others, to the point that it resonates with others, um, then they're not considered a, a professional instructor. Right. And, so and any, training side. anyone who's ever been to college and had maybe a Pulitzer Prize winning professor, but they couldn't really communicate well, um, we all can <laughs> appreciate right. that. You may have that head knowledge, but are you a good instructor? Do you understand adult learning pedagogy for adults? Um, are That's you right. able to communicate well? Because this is critical life-saving information and um, we really want to make sure that the folks that are undergoing the training are really getting it. That's absolutely right. Uh, I would also add to the training uh, that that training needs to be specific. Uh, if we're talking about a school, to that particular mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be careful with off-the-shelf uh, training programs that make outlandish claims. and input. Look, use common sense. When people are talking about things in a training program uh, that raises concern, it's probably good for for good reason that you're concerned. So and investigate these things, learn about the best practices, and let's make sure that schools are getting what they need, uh, not what they think they might need. Right. Well, you also mentioned that um, mental health um, professionals involved in the training would be important. If we're talking about actor-shooter response, what is the value of also including mental health awareness? Many, many benefits, including understanding the threat assessment piece, what threat indicators we should be looking for, changes in baseline behavior. Um, God forbid if you experience one of these 
events, uh, how to deal with it, how to cope with it, what counseling may be required. Uh, these events are very, very uh, traumatic, as you know, Dr. Peggy, and, and for some, it, it never leaves them. It stays with them for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, the grieving process is different for others. You know, some with survivor guilt, um, just a myriad of different things. So mental health plays a critical role. Uh, most now post-Parkland, as I call it, the post-Parkland era, mm. uh, everybody's throwing around mental health. But as we see with security, um, in some cases, it's being used very loosely with not a complete understanding of what mental health is or the fact that it's a longer play. Uh, we can have unlimited dollars thrown at mental health today. It's still going to take some time. And um, I'm playing in your sandbox a little bit here, and you know this. It's going to take uh, probably a number of years uh, before we, we see some uh, meaningful results, but we do need to start immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the... One of the um things that people are talking about regarding mental health is something called social emotional learning, which I know you're familiar with. And there was a report that I just saw uh, today that's coming out around uh, the importance of a a federal report about social emotional learning. Some adults may know it as emotional intelligence that's been in the workplace uh, for many, many years, and it's now trickling down into schools and they call it social emotional learning now. And so we're seeing the value of that is being emphasized, and that's kind of that long-term play that you're referring to, that if we can equip students with this social and emotional skills they need to solve problems and resolve conflicts and, and get along well with others, we might prevent some of these uh, violent attacks that we see possibly brewing over the long haul. Uh, we also know that bullying is a common a factor in some of these attacks in, in school settings. And so social-emotional learning also can help students cope with bullying or help the bully uh, have other um, outlets and other ways to resolve their grievances and issues other than becoming violent. Uh, so, yeah, mental health is, is such a critical piece in this whole big picture. Um, and really we're talking about prevention as uh, more so um, in recognizing the signs that someone might be having an issue. Uh, I'm speaking with uh, national safety and security expert Michael Yorio. He's also the president of SSI Guardian, the leader in advanced school safety and security. If you have a question that you'd like to ask Michael on the air today, please give us a call. The number is 303-477-5600. Uh, Michael, one thing that you did mention I want to emphasize and, and talk about um, so people really understand the importance of this is something called situational awareness. Let folks know what that really means and um, how that can make all the difference. Hmm. So uh, the, the short version, situational awareness is about understanding your surroundings, your situation, and having the wherewithal and understanding if something is not right. Uh, for example, if it's 99 degrees outside, uh, and you have a student walking around in a long trench coat, um, that's probably not a good thing. It's not normal. So it could be something as basic as that, uh, understanding and knowing how to look for suspicious behavior, something more basic, which we've all heard, at least most of us have, uh, know where your exits are when you're at an airport, at a movie theater, at a football game, etc. So a, a bunch of different things if you're in a restaurant and you notice that the roof is making above you, you're probably going to want to move. That's situational awareness. Now, your life's probably not in jeopardy, but uh, if that roof uh, uh, tends to cave in, uh, then you could be injured. So it could become life-threatening. So we don't want to make people paranoid, but we always need to be aware mm-hmm. of our surroundings, both our physical surroundings and the people around us and their behaviors. Yeah, and that's something that's so simple, doesn't cost any money, right, to 
take your face out of your cell phone and pay attention to your surroundings. It benefits us in so many different ways and very significantly in terms of our safety, uh, even teaching our children, right, to be situationally aware. Uh, the department that's of... A, mm-hmm, go ahead. I was going to say, that's a great point with the cell phone. I, I've literally seen people uh, so consumed on their cell phone that they walk uh, into moving traffic. Mm-hmm which is astonishing, but I've seen this over and over again. So yeah. uh, people need to recognize there's a time and place for your cell phone or your laptop or whatever device you may be using. Mm-hmm. And you spend a lot of times in airports, Michael. I'm sure you've made the same observation that I have, that especially walking through a busy airport, pick your face up out of that phone and look where you're going. Don't just stop in the middle of um, people trying to rush to a, a uh, late for a flight, and you're looking at your phone right in the middle of a big crowd. <laughs> I had a person walk into me this morning at the airport. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do. <laughs> yes. So situational awareness, critically important. Teach your children to be aware. Uh, we know that um, school is not um, not the only place that some of these targeted attacks of violence are occurring, and every school is also a workplace for the teachers and staff people, administrators who work there. Mm-hmm. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the things that um, everyone needs to be aware of, even if they're not connected to a school. Most people, if you don't work in, a, in an office or a location somewhere away from home, you're, you're at the movie theater, you're at the grocery store, you're at the bank. There was just a shooting in Florida today or yesterday at a bank. Um, so what do we need to know outside of school settings uh, in terms of keeping ourselves safe? Sure. Regardless of setting or environment, it's, again, understanding your physical surroundings and the behavior of those around you. Uh, so if someone looks highly suspicious, um, there, there could be a reason. So you, you want to be... Uh, comfortable in understanding these these signs and having the courage and knowledge to report these things. So whether it's to the bank manager, if there's a security guard, wherever you may be, um, but if if you feel very strong, something's just not right, it's probably not right. Mm -hmm. So we got to look for these things. If somebody's very, very irate, yelling on the phone, um, you probably want to walk away from that person. What are they going to do next? Well, gee, we just don't know. Uh, but it's probably a good idea to put distance between yourself and a potential altercation. Well, and the Department of Homeland Security has the slogan, if you see something, say something. Uh, is that just a catchy slogan, or is that something that we really should be paying attention to and heeding? Absolutely both. It is a catchy slogan, and I think that's why it has uh, it has had some impact. It's catchy. It's easy for folks to remember. It's easy for folks to understand, uh, and it does work. If you see something suspicious, you need to say something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know from from data um, that many incidents of the back-to-school shootings have been throttled by somebody seeing something, having a concern, and saying something, whether that's to a teacher, a parent, or law enforcement, ultimately, uh, that can step in and stop these some of these incidents from happening before they occur. Mm-hmm. So it does work. Well, and that's, you know, back to the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School uh, Commission report, there were many people who made reports about the individual, the assailant's uh, behavior. He had a long history of contact with um, authorities, with school authorities, with mental health um, professionals, and people were making reports. They did see something that concerned them, that um, they saw uh, cruelty cruelty to animals. Um, He had a fascination with weapons. He had actually made threats about killing, made social media posts that concerned folks. 
um, there were behaviors being observed and reported but unfortunately, um, he still wasn't stopped. Uh, so it's, it, it, can you say something about uh, even when we make that report, which is the right thing to do, um, how do we follow up and make sure that um, it's documented, that the person is being spoken to, investigated, followed up with? Because we're doing our part as citizens. If we see something, say something. But what else needs to happen um, in terms of prevention? That's an outstanding point, Dr. Peggy, and a, a tough situation. If you do report something, as many things were reported uh, at, in Parkland, and the appropriate action is not being done, um, I guess you need to be persistent and keep going back to that agency or department and requesting action, requesting a follow-up. What have you guys done uh, to address this situation? Um, it, it's tough, which brings us back to, you can't rely on anybody except yourself mm. when it comes to your personal security. You can't assume that somebody else, be it a school, a, an employer, law enforcement, anybody, is going to do the right thing in that moment. So you have to understand uh, what practices are involved to protect you and to protect your family. And if you're responsible for children at school or, or workers, um, you can't just assume uh, people are making valiant efforts to create safe spaces, but we don't know how people will react unless they're in that situation. So it's better to presume, I got to take care of this. Mm -hmm. and, I'm say, and I'm not saying turn into a hero. I'm absolutely not suggesting that. What I'm saying is understanding what you can do, what you're capable of doing, mm -hmm. and whether that's reporting, following up on a report, um, knowing your, your plan in a lockdown situation or evacuation situation, knowing those things beforehand, mental imaging, what you might do in these situations. Mm -hmm. I can tell you if you're not prepared, uh, most people will freeze or do the wrong thing. Right. Having, ha having spent some time thinking about what would I do if and running through different types of scenarios and really visualizing in detail, this is what I would do. Um, now, you bring up a great point that some of us in our workplaces may say, oh, we've got an emergency preparedness, you know, director, or, oh, there's, you know, this person is the, um, is the campus um, block captain or <laughs> safety warden or whatever little title someone may get, and so you assume, oh, they'll handle it, they're responsible, but you're really making the point that each of us is responsible ultimately for our own safety, whether we're um, practicing situational awareness and seeing concerning behaviors and taking responsibility and initiative to make those reports, to follow up on, on did, you know, I made this report, is anything being done? But ultimately, if something were to go down, we're responsible for our own safety. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, we have to take on that. Ad and I know for many folks, um, that's kind of a tough topic. Well, mm -hmm. That's not my job. That's somebody else. Well, it, it's not. It's your job. You're responsible. As we all are responsible for our own behavior, we're responsible for our own safety. Mm -hmm. Well, we only have a few minutes left, and so I'm going to ask you, um, a pretty controversial question in just the few minutes we have left. So the Marjorie Stoneman uh -oh. Douglas Commission report um, is talking about in Florida having, I believe it's a veteran program where folks are, are armed and um, becoming teachers if they have a certain background in the military or law enforcement. Um, what is your opinion on that? Uh, my opinion has remained constant uh, since I was first asked following Parkland about arming teachers. Uh, it's not a best practice. Uh, there's no evidence that supports placing guns 
uh, in the hands of untrained professionals in a school setting makes that setting any safer. It's just not a best practice. Many, many inherent risks go along with that. Um, I, I guess they put a different angle. We're going to have veterans become teachers because they were a veteran. They're a marksman, and they're, they're going to be uh, properly trained with the weapon. Um, I guess I would say good luck with that, um, where you're going to find all these highly trained uh, individuals who are going to uh, get into the world of teaching uh, and if they have the appropriate credentials to teach. So some of it sounds much better than it is. Um, I don't think that's realistic. Um, of course, you have some teachers who do have the appropriate backgrounds, but it's a very, very small percentage. Uh, but even with that, uh, it's not a best practice. So mm-hmm. I'm, I, I am not on board with that approach. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. You are, in fact, um, an expert. This is what you do every day. And so we have to make sure that we are applying best practices, evidence-based practices, not just opinion and emotion. Well, Michael Yorio, I really appreciate uh, all of your expertise that you're sharing. Thanks so much for being on the program, as always. Thank you, Dr. Peggy. Stay safe. Thank you. And if you'd like to connect with Michael Yorio... I have a link to reach him on my website, or if you'd like to share this interview with a friend, just go to drpegradio.com. Listeners, thanks for tuning in today. We're brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. And if you've ever wondered if you'd benefit from seeing a therapist, be sure to tune in next week when we'll explore how seeing a therapist might be right for you. My guest today was Michael Yorio, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well.